Man, that's going to be hard to follow. Um, when people ask why I like working in North Point, you just saw a major glimpse of it. And, and the, the staff here, um, we, just, we just have a lot of fun together um, and really um, trying, to, trying to figure that out. Um, it has its ups and downs sometimes. And I think it's interesting because this season, uh, oftentimes we sing about peace. I don't know how many of you here have ever lived with someone, worked with someone. Uh, peace is a lot easier to attain when you're not around someone. Um, whether it's siblings, spouse, children, coworkers, whatever it is, um, peace seems like that one thing that seems to always be just beyond our reach. Um, and about five years ago, um, my wife and I were really struggling with this concept. Um, she was right, I was wrong, and numerous times that started to, to just build contention in our home. We were starting to get to the point where we couldn't even, when we tried to pursue each other, it would backfire. When, when we tried to say something nice, it was taken as a backhanded compliment. And we were really starting to, to just struggle. Um, and this went on for about seven months, and Honestly, what it came down to is I wanted to fix everything. I had, I had an idea on how I could fix everything. Um, and ultimately, at the end of that seven months, we realized, wow, we need to ask for help. We, we need someone to come in because there is no peace in our home. There, there is nothing that we were just helpless and frustrated. And my plan wasn't working. And so as we did this, like we finally did, we, we asked somebody to come in and, and bring peace. Have you ever felt this way? Have you felt hopeless, frustrated? Maybe it's work, maybe it's home, maybe it's somewhere else. But in, at the end of the day, like the, the desperate need for peace, I think is something that our world longs for. As we open up to Isaiah chapter 9, um, we're going we're gonna to kind of look through this, but before we do, I need to give a little bit of a backstory. Isaiah chapter 9 begins with a phrase that says, but there will be no gloom. And in student ministry, we tell students to read and ask questions. And if I was to read this, and this is the beginning of a story, I'm going to miss something, right? Where did the gloom come from? What gloom? Why is there gloom? And so it's, it starts with this idea that, that that will not last forever. And because of that, me asking the question, I did a little more research. Um, and if you go back two chapters, Isaiah, you can stay at Isaiah 9. I'm going to give you a recap. Isaiah 7 um, introduces us to a guy named Ahaz. Ahaz is the king at this point, um, and he is... Um, he and his people are worried to death because the armies in the north, Syria and the northern kingdom, are starting to um, connect and they're starting to unify in what looks like it's going to be an attack on King Ahaz's kingdom. And he sits there and they are, they are super worried and they are wondering, if, are they going to be conquered and maybe this morning we're not facing an army, but are any of us 
worried about something this holiday season? You know, the, ah, I can't keep up with the Joneses, or, or maybe we got to get on the road, we got to travel, we got to do this or that. And worry seems to be something that, that comes into the Christmas season pretty easily. Um, and as we look, we realize that whether it was thousands of years ago in King Ahaz's time or today, I think Isaiah 9 really preaches to us because God ends up introducing his plan through the words of Isaiah. But let's keep looking at King Ahaz. God ended up sending word to King Ahaz in chapter 7. He, he says, hey, listen, you don't need to worry about the alliance in the north. The exact words are, take heed and be quiet. Do not be fearful or faint-hearted. This will not stand. That seems pretty clear. And Ahaz did what many of us have done in our lives and chose not to believe God's word. He, he didn't pay much attention to what God was saying. Actually, King Ahaz ended up taking matters into his own hands and formulating his own genius plan in which he decided to take a lot of gold and silver from God's temple and pay another country that had a very high military might, um, the king of Assyria, to come and just take care of the problem for King Ahaz. And we read on in, in eight and seven and eight, Assyria did that. This is what is known as the Assyrian crisis. Assyria came in and they, they did exactly what they promised. They took care of the Northern Kingdom and the Alliance. And they did it so well and so militarily, like smoothly, that they decided, eh, why stop here? And they continued on down into the southern kingdom and into Jerusalem. And so Ahaz not only got exactly what he wanted, but he got exactly what he didn't want at the same time. And because of his unbelief, the king ended up getting more than he had bargained for. Isaiah 7 and 8 really encompass this whole thing. And chapter 8 tells us how God uses Assyria to punish both kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And at the end of chapter 8... There's a picture of gloom, darkness, frustration, as the Assyrians came through, and they were not just gentle rulers. They, they were a devastating military force. And the last verse of chapter 8 shows that the people looking around, seeing trouble, seeing anguish, seeing that this is not what they had planned on. And it sounds, honestly, pretty miserable and maybe pretty relatable to some of us today. As you look around, maybe, maybe it seems like there's a lot of trouble. Maybe there's uh, kind of a, a miserable season, and, and the darkness and gloom overpass the joy and the hope. And maybe, maybe it's something as simple as you're not getting along with your family. Uh, maybe it's that you just don't feel like there's enough to, to do what you want to do as a parent. And maybe this is the first season you've had without a loved one. And a lot of times, Christmas is joyful for some, and it seems to be miserable for others. And as we look at that, that feeling of darkness 
and despair, without much love, joy, hope, or even peace. As Christians, we get to take heart because we know, we know that there is hope. We know that there is peace, and not just peace in the future, but there's a possibility of peace today. And because of that, we see through Scripture, thanks to the Bible, that peace is actively available to anyone who trusts in Christ. And we're going to talk about that as we continue. The prophet Isaiah, though, seemed to really understand that. Years before the Messiah would come, he would write about how Jesus would bring peace and about how he was the answer, he was the rescue plan for all of the turmoil that Israel is in. And so as he starts in chapter 9, there is a reason for hope. And as to the future, God's plan is going to be carried out. A time would come, and, and we will see that Isaiah says, darkness will be defeated by light. God will have a nation of people ruled by a perfect king. These things will happen, and and it's said right here, and I'm confident that these things are referring to Christ and his church. So let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 9. It says, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephalti. But in the later time, he has made glorious the ways of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan and the Galilee, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. You will have multiplied the nation, and you will have increased its joy, and they rejoice before you as with joy, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. This one's really important. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There, there's so much in this passage, but I believe that verse 6 is one of the clearest prophecies, plainest references um, of Christ that you will find anywhere in the Old Testament. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. We read that at Christmas. And the government will be on his shoulder and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is not just a, a picture of the birth of the Messiah. but This is his character. This is, 
This is the nature of his reign. And it explains his eternal deity. This is so much encapsulated in one verse. Some Orthodox Jewish commentators would would disagree with me, uh, and they would say that this was King Hezekiah. This is a prediction of the the next king. And Hezekiah was a good king. Uh, He had some good plans, good policies, but he wasn't God. He was never called an everlasting father. Um, Verse 6 is, as I said, one of the clearest references anywhere in the Bible pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. In verse 7, Jesus is reigning over his kingdom with no end. Hezekiah's reign came to an end. It had an end, and honestly, it wasn't a very pretty end. Um, You see, during Hezekiah's reign, Isaiah prophesied that that the Babylonians would come take over. And in the reign of Zedekiah, that happened. And after 70 years of captivity, they they were allowed to go back to Jerusalem, but then the Jewish city refell again in 70 AD. Here in Isaiah 9, verse 7, the the phrase is, this kingdom has no end. Continuing to lend support to my belief that this is a direct reference to Christ and his church. Guys, we are a part of that. That's, That's something to get excited about. And in a world filled with conflict, I, I think peace is what our world is in most desperate need of today. It is something that we are craving, whether we know Jesus or not. We want peace. I mean, you look at any award ceremony, anything, it's, whoa, what do you wish for? I hope for peace. I want peace on earth. Like, this is, this is something that is not just simply Christian. This is worldly. I mean, personally, people are confused, fearful, and hurting in our nation. People are fearful and divided and abused. And in our globe, we have societies that are torn and at war. As I started to think through this, I decided to do a little research. And a former president of the Norwegian Academy of Sciences and historians from England, Egypt, Germany, and India came up with some startling information. Since 3600 BC, the world has only known 292 years of peace. And during this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small, in which 3.64 billion people have been killed, and the value of property destroyed would pay for a golden belt around the world 97.2 miles wide and 33 feet thick. Since 650 BC, there have been 1,656 arms races, only 16 of those have not ended in war. Those 16 ended in economic collapse. There is conflict. There has been, there will be. And what I'm realizing, honestly, probably more than anything, is that like Jesus, in the midst of conflict, is offering peace. 
in the midst of hardship. He is offering us something that the world cannot. Those statistics show us what the world offers. And what I really realize is that conflict doesn't have to leave in order for peace to be in place. This fall, my family decided to go to Vallas Pumpkin Patch. It's the first time I've ever been there. Um, had no idea what I was getting into. And that is a full-day weekend excursion. Um, and so what was really interesting to me, though, is I have a five-year-old little girl who is as cute as can be, but I found out that she loves scary things. I do not. Um, and so we're walking and everything, and of course one of the first things you come to is a little haunted house, and um, she's like, I want to go in there. And you're hearing screams come from inside and like all sorts of things. That it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to go in there. Um, uh, but she walks up to the door and goes, hmm. turns to me. And what I realized is that she was willing to go through it, but she didn't want to do it alone. She would only go if dad would go. Because there was something about this, and I don't know what it is. Um, she thinks I'm braver than I am. But she knew that if dad could handle it, she was going to be all right. She was willing to go through something hard because of who she was with. So this morning, as, as we prepare for the Christmas season, this is the week. It, it's happening, guys. Whether we want it to or not, this is it. As we prepare, my question is, who are you with? Whether it's going to be hard or easy, who are you with? Because I, I firmly believe that peace is the greatest daily benefit of knowing Jesus. You can live your life in peace because of your knowledge of who Jesus is, because of the relationship that we are able to have with him. And if these are new things to you, we'll talk about that a little more, but this is an exciting thing. Please listen up. In John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this. He says, the peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. And let not your hearts be troubled and let them not be afraid. Jesus is offering us something different today than the world could ever offer. You're not going to unwrap any greater gift than the Son, than the salvation that he offers and the peace that comes from following him. And so today, I'm going to ask you again, who are you with? Isaiah 9, 7 makes it pretty clear that there will be no end to his increase, his government, or his peace. This will happen. Where are we at in the process? Are we prepared? Maybe I can phrase it like this. The degree that you are submitted to Christ is the degree that you will have peace in your life. Have you taken the time to realize that God is with us? And that have you accepted his rescue plan for us? Are you willing to submit to Christ today? And 
and if you are, please talk with me, talk to any of the pastors, any of the faces you saw up there, talk to your neighbor. We will walk you through it because it is simply put, it is the greatest gift that you could ever receive this Christmas season. Salvation through Jesus Christ. If you're already sitting here and you're like, well, I've already done that. My question to you is this. Does the peace in your life show your committed faith in Jesus? This is one of the most stressful seasons of the American world. We got to get the tree up. We got to get the lights out. We got to do this. We got to make sure the dinner's ready. We got to make sure that we cook it early enough, but not quite late enough, so everybody can eat, but it won't be like, you know, burning hot when it comes out of the oven. You got to make sure this, 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 this. In all of that worry, are we more like Ahaz? In all of the stress and the busyness of our life as Christians, do we exemplify peace? Is there something that maybe we need to let go of today? So, as we contemplate that, I'm going to invite the band back up. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the peace that you offer. And God, I think more than anything, thank you for the son that you freely gave. We look forward to his everlasting reign. But God, we thank him daily for the peace that he brings as he is with us. Amen.